You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Well, I'm happy y'all are here um, this evening. We're going to get started. This is going to be a little bit longer. So last week... Um, I was planning on this taking three weeks because I had plans to be in New Mexico today. Um, me and Kai were going to go to New Mexico. My grandmother is moving into a care facility. Um, grandfather passed away. You guys knew that a couple months ago. She's moving into a care facility, and she's never met Kai or Eden. And uh, so I thought, you know, she's not getting to live in her home anymore. What would perk her up? Meeting a great grandbaby like that. Yes, yeah, especially guy. Where does she live? In uh, Santa Fe. And so we were going to go, but then Kai got sick. Uh, today was his first day back at school, so we can't miss four days of school in a week. So we couldn't do that. So I changed. And then last week was just uh, last week was a project, and we were working at Troy's, a group of us all day. Um, and time was just uh, not on our side because it, it was going way faster. I don't know what it is about that house, but there's like a twilight zone there where time doesn't operate normally in that space because it, it goes from 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. and 2 p.m. to 8.30 pretty quick. Um, and so I came, I came up here last week and I, I got ready to teach and I was scrambling trying to get my mind adjusted back to teaching and on the lesson and off of drywall and screws and all the things that we were doing. I left a page of my notes, two pages of my notes in my office, and it wasn't like back-to-back pages. It was this page and then skip a page and then this one. So I was really lost, and I just told Sarah and Lorinda last week that we're just going to redo this lesson because I'm all over the place and I'm not making a lot of sense. And... uh, so tonight is that, and then we're going to finish it with uh, what I intended to talk about anyways. And so this is good because um, I'm excited about this. This is one that we've thought about for a long time, that I've thought about for a long time, and I'm just exploring it myself personally. There's a lot more to understand about it, but at the same time, it's incredibly simple, so I'm excited. But anyways, uh, just quick review. Out of the overflow of our hearts, this is what we talked about two weeks ago. Out of the overflow of our hearts, the mouth speaks. Matthew 12 and Luke 6. Articulate that which you surround yourself with will be that which overflows out of you. Um, That which is the most important to us, these things will overflow from our hearts and will be demonstrated in our lives. And so um, this is something that, We've heard several times over the last uh, few weeks, what you surround yourself with is what you seek. What you surround yourself with is what you seek. If you surround yourself with the Lord, you will naturally seek the Lord. And I'm not talking about surrounding yourself with the practices, right? I know I knew plenty of people like that. I knew friends that didn't want anything to do with church because their parents, all they did was church activities. It's like they weren't surrounded by the presence of God. They were surrounding themselves with activity based around a church. And so they would just be gone all the time doing church stuff. And that's not what the Lord had in mind. But what we surround ourselves with is what we will seek out. And Jesus says in John 7 that those who receive him will have rivers of living water flowing in, and, flowing in us and out of us, overflowing. 
those that choose him. And he, he says this, those that receive him. And that's not just a one-time receiving. We know that to be true. You can't just be saved and then all of a sudden this river of life will flow out of you from every day forth from that point on. That's not how it works. You have to choose him daily. We know too many people that were saved and haven't chosen Jesus a day since. I was one of those people. I know all of us in here can articulate that to some extent where we had salvation and we thought that was the end. I made it into heaven. Now I get to do whatever I want. I got to get out of jail free card. And that's not what it is. We have to continually choose him. If we want the river of life to flow into us and selfishly to flow in us, I want the river of life that exists in the throne room of God to flow into my life. And then I also want it to flow out of me. That doesn't happen if I do not choose Jesus. To overflow with rivers of living water. And we see in our prayer life, this begins to take a new form. Because out of the overflow of our hearts becomes a part of it. Becomes a part of this river of life that just naturally flows out of us. If we choose Jesus, we're not thinking about how the river of life is flowing out of us. We're not specifically turning on a faucet that the river could flow, right? We're choosing him, and that is the natural byproduct. The river of life overflows out of us. And we were talking about out of the overflow, specifically two weeks ago, out of the overflow of our hearts, the prayers that come when we surround ourselves with Jesus, surround ourselves in the presence of God, when we are regularly receiving the desires of the Father's heart as our own, And speaking those things and desiring those things to exist out of the overflow of our hearts, we begin to pray. To pray without ceasing. It's not always sitting there. To pray without ceasing would be foolish to think that you've got to sit in a dark room on your knees and pray all day long. That's not how it works. How could you be in the world and not of it if you're never a part of the world? It doesn't make any sense. How could you minister? That's not what he means when you say pray without ceasing. But we have the Spirit of God that exists and dwells in us knows our hearts, and if we are regularly choosing that which He desires and partnering with Him, it will be the natural expression of our lives. If we receive the vision of being kindness where there is no kindness, and we believe in it, and we buy into it, and we are firmly rooted in that vision, we don't have to constantly think about ways to be kind. Because it becomes the expression of our hearts. Because we have bought in and out of the overflow of our hearts, you see the expression of God's. And so we don't think about, oh, can I be kind here? Can I be kind here? Can I be kind here? We just see an opportunity and we go and we be kind. That's what it is to exist in the overflow. And that's also prayer in the overflow. That which is overflowing from our hearts is all that He desires to do through us and to give to us like a need that we haven't even asked for provision on. This has just been, this has been fascinating to me over the last... Uh, there's one person in particular where this happens constantly. Constantly, the Lord is trying to grab their attention. And he's, the Lord has taught me in this of how out of the overflow, I've not even asked for these things and they've, they've happened. I had a friend with pasture land and cattle on fire a couple months ago. I mean, on fire. North wind blowing it right to his horses, to his cattle, to his home. Everything is right on the wrong side of that fire. And it's blowing. And it's, it's got nothing to stop it. 
and fire trucks, you just see them just going all over the place and they're not even putting a dent in it. But for some reason, he just happened to have his best horse saddled up already. Ran out there, was able to push all the cows out of the way. And as he runs out there to gather those cows, wouldn't you know it, it starts raining for the first time in months. And I'm not talking about a little bit of rain. I'm talking about Forrest Gump, big old fat rain. I mean, stuff that's hitting you and it feels like somebody threw a snowball at you. And within about 30 seconds, that fire doesn't exist. Saw a friend who, uh, whose uh, truck breaks down. You guys all know this. I've, I've lived this story right before you. Had a truck in the shop, paid thousands and thousands of dollars to get it back, and wouldn't you know, three days later, guess where it's going right back to? And it ain't going for a little fix. It's going for more thousands and thousands of dollars. And he's thinking, man, I've got, I've got kids. I've got all this stuff. Maybe I just need to look. And wouldn't you know, and I had been praying for that friend the night before, and not praying for anything specific, just praying for that friend. And the Lord just, boom, right then and there, he calls a dealership, and there's a truck sitting right there. They give him everything he wants for his, everything he wants for the new one. I mean, just like that, boom, done. He's got a brand new pickup. Brand new pickup. And he's paying less for it than he was on his old one. And it's brand new, 2022. And I'm just looking at all these things, and there's countless, countless other stories. I'm just looking at it like that, that's the overflow of the Father's heart. And I'm, I'm thinking, I've been with this person, I've seen these things, and I've not prayed for those things. But my desire is that the Lord would be known to them and grab a hold of them. And so what does he do? Just miracle after miracle. Miracle after miracle. Countless, and there are, when I say there are countless stories, I mean there are countless stories. Sarah and I will sit in bed and talk about how funny it is. How certain people in our lives are like, do you not see the favor of the Lord that is upon you? But also understanding when you pray for a person and seeing the overflow of that prayer, the overflow of that desire that the Lord would be known, that the Lord would grab a hold of him, what does he start doing? He starts answering prayers we never prayed. I never asked for rain. I never asked for him to find a new truck. I never asked for these things. But I want the Lord to grab a hold of his heart. And what does he do? Miracle after miracle after miracle. He gets his attention. He's getting his attention. It's out of the overflow of our hearts, and it's such a blessing and so fun to watch. When our hearts overflow with him, there is great and there is wonderful blessing. Because he is a good and perfect father and we are meant to overflow with him. God making his appeal through us. And what that also looks like is this good and perfect father that provides for needs that we never thought we had. Or needs that we just put in the back of our mind. The example I shared was needing it to rain and not ever asking for it to. Just getting to the point where I needed the ground to be wet and wouldn't you know it just started pouring for a week. Like That's exactly what I needed when I needed it. And I never asked for it. But the Lord knew it because he's a good and perfect father. We all know those where the, you will receive the answer before you could ever pray the prayer. And you're like, whoa, look at that. I remember receiving the answer about sundown and what I was supposed to do with my life before I ever prayed the prayer. 
I didn't pray for a wife. I didn't pray for a job. I was just going to figure it out. I was going to make my way. I was going to go to Seattle. I was going to do my thing. Wouldn't you know it? Somebody tells me about Sarah. I meet Sarah. We start dating. All this stuff. Somebody, Randy calls Kendall about a, a vision, a dream that he had that he was discipling the next youth pastor for this church while he's on his way to meet with me. And the Lord speaks that through Kendall and it's a yes right away. It's like, I didn't pray for that. I didn't ask for that. Out of the overflow of our hearts though, and out of the overflow of His, do we receive blessing. It's a beautiful and wonderful thing. And today, this evening, what I want us to talk about, and this is a, uh, why it's a taboo topic in church, I have no idea, but it is. It's not talked about often, and I know why it's not talked about often, because it's not comfortable. The talking about it is, is not uncomfortable. The practice of it is uncomfortable. And we are not good at uncomfortable in America. We're really, really bad at it. And some of that's okay. I don't want to sleep on a board. I don't want to sleep in the dirt. I'm grateful for my bed. I'm grateful for a shower. I'm grateful for clothes. And I'm grateful for those comforts. But there are a lot of things that we're just really not... We, we miss out on so much of the Lord because the thing that separates us from that breakthrough is discomfort, right? How many of us have been disobedient because the obedience was going to require us to do something that we were not comfortable doing? Right. It keeps us from the blessings of God, discomfort. It's an idol that needs to be torn down. Comfort is, is a, a made-up thing. It doesn't really exist. Because if, you're, if you choose what to be comfortable in, then there is no such thing as anything uncomfortable. John the Baptist chose to live a life in the wilderness with sackcloth and honey and locusts. But he was delighted. He was blessed. He chose what to be comfortable in. And he chose the presence of God over all things. This thing is, is one of those moments. This is one of those moments for all of us as a church. And I address this in a small setting first. And eventually we'll see this on a Sunday morning. But today I want to talk about, and what you may have already gathered, is I want to talk about fasting. I want to begin that conversation. I want to talk about what it is. And I want to talk about what purpose it serves. Um, this has been enlightening for me to address this again after everything the Lord has shown us over the last two, three, four, five, six years for me to come back and address fasting again, especially after the last six months of what the Lord has been bringing, the revelation, the teaching that He's been bringing me through. Um, it's been interesting. But let, let's begin. I love beginning this way just by looking at the example of Jesus. Uh, he is perfect theology, and if you don't know where to start, He's always a good place to start. So we'll start with Jesus in Matthew 4, verse 4, and then we'll skip around a little bit. But verse 4 says, Jesus is in the wilderness. He's, he's fasting as we speak. Um, he's just been baptized. Uh, he's received the Holy Spirit. He did, he's entered the wilderness. And this is the first temptation of the devil, verse 4. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Father, and then down in verse 7. And Jesus said to him again, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, All these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. 
Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Jesus begins his ministry after this time in the wilderness, as we all know. And then from the mouth of Jesus, in uh, Matthew 6, verse 16, it says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward, but when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but your Father who is in secret." And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So again, what is fasting? What have we seen so far? What we can see so far is that it is incredibly personal. It is so focused around personal growth and personal relationship with the Lord. It is not something to put on display as Jesus articulates right here. Just as he articulated with prayer. Don't loft up empty words like the Gentiles do. Don't, don't make it, don't stand on the street corner and shout as the Pharisees do. This is not prayer. Prayer is relationship. I don't broadcast my relationships. Do any of us do that? Do any of you just go around and stand on a street corner and start shouting about your relationship, about your marriage? No. It's personal. It's, your, it's yours. It's nobody else's. It doesn't belong to anybody else. It's mine. No one else needs to know about it. It's my life. It's my relationship. We don't broadcast it. Why would we do it with prayer? Lord's like, stop it. That's not what this is. You miss the relationship when you try to elevate yourself through this tool that I've given. But we also see that relationship and that correlation in fasting. You're not meant, I, I, I don't know why people do this. And Jesus talked about it then. And I've seen it done myself. In college especially where people are more dramatic. And they enjoy the drama. Young teens, we know this. Um, but they would just look heavy laden. Like, what's going on, man? I'm just fasting. I'm like, what? Why are you about to cry? Why are you bent over like you've just, how long have you been fasting? Oh, man, like three, four hours. Like, so when are you eating again? Oh, no, I'm fasting from Facebook. I'm like, oh, my God, what? <laughs> it's so dumb. You're dumb. <laughs> I say this with love, but you're stupid. Stop it. You missed it. Um, that is not what fasting is. It is personal. It's not something to put on display. And we also see that Jesus was baptized. He received the Holy Spirit, and then he fasted. There is significance in that. We're not meant to just read over it. We do read over very quickly that time in the wilderness, though. We read over that whole portion of Jesus' story, right? We would just want to get to the meat. We want to get to the miracles, but we got to look at what led to it. Jesus was obedient first. He received the Holy Spirit second. And then he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Have any of you ever gone without food for 40 days and 40 nights? Not me. I know one person. I don't personally know them, but I know of one person that is in leadership, is a pastor that has done it. And he said it was the hardest thing he's ever done. And he prepared for it for years. It's crazy. Jesus immediately fasted, though. There's, there's something to that. We need to look at that. And what I see so clearly illustrated in this, because Jesus had just received the Holy Spirit for the first time as a vessel that carries it. This is fully man, Jesus, that we're looking at. Receiving the Holy Spirit as we would soon be able to. 
by his sacrifice. But fasting is a place where knowledge becomes wisdom. What did he do in response to every temptation? But quote scripture. It wasn't just knowledge at that point, was it? Man shall not live by bread alone. He knew that scripture, but now he's in a place where he's realizing it's true. I cannot live with bread alone. I'm living right now and I've had none. It's where knowledge becomes wisdom. Man shall not live by bread alone. The denial, fasting is the denial of what the flesh needs for life to feed the spirit only, to allow the spirit priority. Again, it is not, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to make fun of anybody, but this needs to be said. And if anybody disagrees, please come talk to me about it. Um, it with no, no offense or no argument intended, but there's, I, I find this to be true in Scripture. And if you have another point, that's totally fine. But let's come talk about it. Don't just sit there and disagree with me. Fasting from food and drink. Those are, besides that, air and sunlight. It is what the flesh needs to survive, yes? Yes, you need water, you need food, you need sunlight and air. The Lord is not asking us to stop breathing. Fasting is always done from food and drink in Scripture. It is, and now they didn't have Facebook back then, but that is, it is, fasting is, it's not fasting from Facebook. It's not fasting from your cell phone. It's not fasting from soda. I'll just drink water today and eat, but I'm not going to have a soda. That's not fat. Those are addictions. That's an addiction. That's a different problem. I've had to have this conversation with many people. Like, I think I need to do a Facebook fast. Like, if you think you need a fast from something that isn't food, you've got an addiction and you just need to be done with it altogether. It's, it's not something you just need to fast for a day from. You just delete it from your phone. Or if you are so glued to your phone that you feel that you need to fast from it, maybe just put it down permanently because there's a bigger issue going on. Um, those are addictions. You, you don't need those for life. If you need it for life, it's something worthy of fasting because it is all about, again, Scripture shows us over and over, it is about the denial of what the flesh needs to survive to be fed by the Father who is in heaven and to feed my spirit and my spirit alone, that the flesh would submit to the spirit. And what does Jesus say? He tells us that the flesh is meant to submit to the spirit. It is the denial of what the flesh needs that it would submit to the spirit of God and the spirit of God alone. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Our hope is not built on a cheeseburger. It's not built on water. It's not built on our next meal. Our hope is built on Jesus, period. He is what sustains our life, right? We know this to be true. Our hope is not built on anything but him, and fasting embraces that reality, that my hope is built on Jesus, blood and righteousness, period. Not anything else. And it's a beautiful thing. But, and, and not but, but recognizing that he is all that we need is so much of what fasting is about. And now, how does prayer tie into this? Because we often, what do we, we see fasting and prayer throughout Scripture all over. They're linked. Why are they linked? Um, how do prayer and fasting work together? Well, we know that prayer is relationship. 
Prayer is about deepening relationship. It is tied directly to relationship. If you don't engage with the Father on a regular basis, your prayer life will have no depth. If you, if you engage, if you have a, a, a once a week relationship with Jesus, your prayer life will reflect such. And you'll miss out on so much of what prayer is meant uh, to be. We all know that prayer is relationship. Prayer is a tool and a pathway in which we engage in conversation with the Father, in which we stay connected to His heart. And so how does fasting aid in this? Well, again, the first thing that Jesus did after receiving all of heaven being made open to Him and receiving the Holy Spirit, the first thing He did was fast. And we have said that fasting is a place where knowledge uh, has the opportunity to become wisdom, but also in the denying of the flesh that fasting is, this is it's the process of denying the flesh, it allows us to enter deep places of God. Deep places of God. How else could we access deep places of God? Think about that for a second. I was, I was so uh, just enthralled by that today. Thinking about that throughout the day. How do I... How could I expect to enter the deep places of God twice a week for an hour? How could, how could I expect to only enter, to enter the deep places of God just because I showed up on a Sunday? That can't be it. If you met with a person for an hour once a week, there would not be a lot of depth in that relationship. Ever. You can know them for 50 years. But you don't have much to show for it because you've only met once a week. I mean, think about that in marriage. If you lived separately and only spent a day together once a week, that would not be a great marriage. It would not be a strong relationship. That is not how the Lord is meant, how we're meant to have a relationship with the Lord. And fasting allows us to enter the deep places because If we don't take the time and remove everything, even food from ourselves, we'll miss out on so much of the journey. It takes time. If if you're trekking through the woods, this was the clearest uh, way I could articulate this, is that to get to the garden, this sacred place with the Lord, to get to this deep place of His heart, you don't just automatically arrive. You've got to walk through the woods a little bit. You've got to step over logs and limbs and you've got to duck tree branches and you've got to move around hillsides and cross over streams. It's not just this quick and easy vending machine trip where I get to punch in a number and all of a sudden I get the deep things of God. It takes time. And do you trust everybody with the deep things of your heart? No. Not even close, right? We keep so many people at an arm's length. Rightfully so, because not everybody needs to know everything there is to know about me. Nobody besides my wife knows that. And that's, that's perfectly fine with me. And that's the way it'll stay. How could we expect anything different from God if we don't take the time to venture into these deep places for Him to trust us with these deep places? We never think about that. That the Lord will just make Himself available but there are certain things that I cannot handle unless I take the time to spend it with Him and Him to lead me to those things. It's again, it's going back to blessing. 
If I gave my son a truck, if that statement right there, you'd say, what a blessing. I'd say, well, he's four. I'd be like, what? That's not a blessing. It'll be a blessing someday. It's definitely not a blessing now. He doesn't know how to use it. He doesn't know how to use it properly. The Lord doesn't just release every blessing that there is to be released that he has in store for us because there's a process of us getting to a place where we can, we can hold that. We can use it properly, right? He didn't release the Holy Spirit until there was a way for the Holy Spirit to be handled correctly by the blood of Jesus covering us and making us able to carry that Spirit again. We'll look at a few scriptures pretty quick. The first one is in Romans 12. Uh, Verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. In 1 Peter 2.9, We know this well, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And then again, 2 Corinthians. This has been a popular passage for me in this season. It continues to be so. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16 From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. How can we be ministers of this ministry if we are never in deep counsel with the Lord? Think about that. How could this staff that I I have the privilege of leading, how could this staff know where my heart is? And what the Lord is doing in the leadership of this church and the vision of this community if I never spoke to them, if I never interacted with them, we would be in chaos. Everybody would just be interpreting what they see and what they feel and they would just be going their own way. That's part of the anointing as a, as a head pastor. Randy did it for us for years. It was important that we had those staff meetings because we got to hear his heart. We got to see where he was and what the Lord was doing and what the Lord was showing him because that brought revelation to our ministries. I knew why the Lord was teaching me things and showing me things and leading me in a path for my youth after having conversations of where Randy and the church were being led. It made so much more sense. But we had to spend time in that. How can we expect... When we, when we bring where, where he can bring about deep revelation, how can we expect him the opportunity to bring deep revelation if we are never in a place 
where he has that opportunity. He'll never bring deep revelation. He'll bring small glimpses of revelation, but he'll never bring deep revelation because I'm never in a place where I can receive deep revelation. I've never stopped long enough for him to talk to me more than a second. When an army sits with its generals for only an hour once a week, will it accomplish anything? No. An army has to clearly know the battle plan, the purposes, that the steps, where we're going next, when we're doing this, why we're doing this. Does anybody know, like for us personally, we know the vision that the Lord has spoken over us and over this house. But what specifically, what part do we specifically as individuals play in that? I don't believe that comes just because we ask once and we come to church and we sing a couple songs. That is one of those things that comes from a deep time of connection with the Father. And that is what fasting affords us. It affords us a deep time of choosing Him over everything else. What was Jesus doing for 40 days and 40 nights but choosing Him above all else? He gave Him His ministry before He started. He hadn't done a single thing yet and the ministry was already the Lord's. And Jesus had chosen him over all else. He had the Spirit of God and immediately gave it back. Everything is yours. None of it is my own. Even the food. If you would have me die in the wilderness, then I'll die in the wilderness. It's all yours. Fasting places us at the feet of the Father. A moment when all is forsaken except for Him. When I choose to leave everything and toss it aside but Him, He has everything. I choose to leave my stomach empty that I could spend time before you at your feet, in the garden, in the deep places, sitting before Him. And in this place, He explains mysteries. He brings revelation. He encourages us by rooting us even deeper into His presence and into His heart. I was thinking about this um, the other day, and this is, this is just a running joke that Melissa and I have um, because we had to deal with some very deep things. When Melissa and I both, because we started around the same time, when we started, it was like every other week, we're just like, let's just quit. Let's just, I just don't want it. And we didn't ever have that conversation together, but we were both in that place. And the Lord prompted me like, you need to cut that crap out and you need to go have a conversation with Melissa because she's thinking the same thing. Because we were just exhausted and we were fighting uphill. We're fighting COVID. We're fighting policies. We're fighting new, new things changing and new chaos going on in our community. And it was like, there's just the two of us. And that's still all there is. Ministers in this church, there's two that are here on a regular basis. Jake gets to come out on Sundays, and that's what he can afford, and we're grateful for that. But there were two of us, and we would just get to a place where we were just so exhausted and so tired, and I just I wanted something that was comfortable. That's what we had to talk. We wanted a comfortable job. I want a comfortable job where I go home at 5 o'clock, and no one cares to talk to me until I show up the next day. I get paid steady, all right? We don't, I don't have to worry about an offering plate. Right? I don't have to worry about keeping the lights on. That's somebody else's job. I just get to show up, clock in, clock out. That was comfortable. There's nothing comfortable about this job. Right? Until I choose what makes me comfortable. I'm learning. I'm still young, so I'm learning 
how to be comfortable in the presence of God in the presence of God alone. I'm comfortable in it. But most of the time, what are we? We're comfortable in it when it, when it meets our terms. Oftentimes, that's not how the presence of God works, and so we miss out on it. So the Lord is teaching me that. But we were in this place where it was just like, I just, we just want to be done. Lord, let this pass from me. And he always said, no, I'm just not going to do it. He's like, you can quit, but it will be in disobedience and you'll have consequences. It's like, oh, shoot. I'll just keep going, I guess. Until we fell in love with the struggle and fell in love with the things that were previously uncomfortable and now are comfortable. But we just had this, uh, it was just this running joke of, you know, because fall festival is incredibly difficult. Um, we've got a lot of help, but Melissa and I are, are solely putting that on. Um, we're, we're pulling teeth to get all the other entities to be a part. And the chamber is incredibly helpful. Melissa Guerrero, president of the chamber, is one of the, one of the best human beings in this community. Um, but it's still very, very difficult. Because uh, no one just wants to do things. And the Lord, in these deep places, it's in those places that He can encourage. He can reveal deeper things. He can place me deeper into His presence to where these uncomfortable things in the world, the difficulties in this position just have no effect. But that doesn't happen if I engage Him for a couple hours a week and that's it. It only happens when I sit before Him for more than a second. Right? I can't sit before Him just long enough to get a message and disappear. It's not how it works. And fasting is a, an, a guaranteed way to put yourself before the Father and allow Him to begin to pour into you deep and wonderful things, solidify you in deep and beautiful things that otherwise there is not the opportunity for. Because there are just blessings like that that only take place when we operate the way He intended us to operate, and we were meant to fast. It is a part of the culture that we have been adopted into that's important for us to recognize too. There are things about that culture that the Lord didn't want anything to do with, but there are things about that culture that we, sons and daughters, have been adopted into that we are meant to adopt ourselves. We're meant to do those things. We're not meant to totally kick rocks at the Hebrew culture because we're a part of it. Not by lineage, but by adoption of the Spirit. We get the promise that was for them. It, now for all. We're brought into this. And they fast regularly. And they fast to get deep answers. Profound answers. Clarity in certain things. Encouragement in certain things. And let me just tell you, it's incredibly difficult. It's like hearing the voice of God. It didn't just all of a sudden start speaking clearly. It took time. It took patience. It took perseverance. Giving it the attention it deserved. Until you could begin to hear it. Fasting is the same thing. The first time you fast, it will be miserable. Because all you'll think about is how hungry you are. And you'll think, I'm not normally this hungry at this time of day. But you'll be starving. Because it will be everything the enemy can do to keep you from focusing on the deep things of God. It's one of those things we'll have to become comfortable being uncomfortable before we can get to that. But it is something that we are meant to do as a church. Um... I know there is a time coming where the Lord will call a corporate fast. 
but there's some groundwork that he's laying first. Where we're to fast together in pursuit of vision and clarity and over our community. We can't just pray for our community. We've got to fast and pray. The Lord uses it to articulate the power of wonderful things. Uh, before Paul and Barnabas and Timothy would go out, they would fast and pray. For deep revelation on what they were about to teach and what they needed to bring to the places and the new cities that they would go into. Jesus, again, before he began a three-year ministry that would lead him to the cross, fasted and prayed. And so this is, this is my challenge now, because I can't just talk about it. it. This is not one of those things that's like, if, if you feel personally convicted to do it, then do it. That's not it. Like, just, you need to do it. Period. It's not a, it's not, not a hands raise or in your pocket kind of thing. This is something that the Lord clearly says needs to be done. So I, I would just like to encourage us that from now to next week, to just start by having one half-day fast, whether it be at the start of your day or the end. Have a half-day fast. And pick it on a day where you're not particularly jam-packed with things that you need to do. Because so that, that doesn't count either. I've done that. I've fasted. I said, oh, today I'm fasting, and I've got a thousand things to do. And I'd get home, and I'd eat dinner, and it's like, well, I fasted. I'm eating for the first time today, and he's like, no. You basically just forgot to eat. Like, that doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, just because you're too busy to eat doesn't count as fasting. Um, but I would just like to encourage us that this week that we would enter that fast, just a half day, just a half day, start getting our feet wet and growing in maturity in these things. I, there is not a mature Christian culture that exists on this earth that has not been built on fasting and prayer. The Azusa Street Revival, last major revival in, in, in the state, that was, uh, or not in the, is it in the states? Yeah. Uh, if you look at the history that there were, Deep, deep fast in prayer that was going on. They called it the boiler room because you would go into the basement of this church and it was on fire. It was like the presence of God was so heavy, it was so hot and just intense as people were interceding, fasting and praying. It ushers in a level of the presence of God. And if this is the other thing, and we'll close with this. We believe that there is a measure of the Lord's presence in the valley that you can only experience in the valley. It's the goodness of God. He meets us wherever we go. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for thy is with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What that tells me, and what the Lord has revealed to me, is that not only is he walking with me down into that valley, he's also got a measure of his presence and blessing waiting for me in that place. And I believe that that is also true. In fasting, there is a measure of the presence of God that is waiting for us to fast. And it is only there that we can experience it. Like there is a measure of the presence of God in musical worship. There is a measure of the presence of God in your personal prayer life. There is a measure of the presence of God when you engage with the corporate body. We know these to be true. We, have, we encounter the presence of God in new ways in these places. And fasting is no different. 
there is a measure of the presence of God that waits for us to simply use this tool that he gave us. And that's what it is. It's not a punishment. It's not a deny yourself and, and humble yourself before me. That's, that, that happens, but that's not what it is. There's deep purpose in it. It is a tool for us. And it doesn't make any sense to the world. It's the total opposite of the world. That should go ahead and tell us that it's important in the kingdom. Right? And that, that is fasting. And so that is my encouragement. And I would just like for you to be able to, if, if you can enter into this, if you can do that, that little assignment of just a half-day fast between now and next Wednesday, that we could then come together and just share testimony of what that experience was like. Um, in, in a safe place, in articulate, that, that part won't be recorded. But just to talk about and, and grow as a group in these things, because eventually uh, we'll be leading the church in these things. We'll be leading community members in these things. And so just to grow as a group in that, if you would just come ready with some testimony of what that experience was like for you. And it doesn't need, it, it sucked and I didn't like it. That's fine. That's a perfectly acceptable answer. I'm not expecting, well, I saw, I saw Revelation 2.0. Like, no, that's not what we're expecting out of this. We're just engaging with the Father and learning how to do a new thing. Because this is a new thing. I've not done it consistently enough for it to not be a new thing. It's, uh, it's like what I found out drywall to be. I've done drywall a lot in my life. But never consistently. I'll do it now and then. Five years later, I'll do it a little bit again. And then 10 years later, I'll do it again. You know what that does? It just makes you relearn it over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah, it's, it doesn't ever carry over. You forget everything and you have to relearn it. So let's not make fasting drywall. Let's learn how to do it and become mature in the understanding of this tool that the Lord has given us to deepen our relationship with Him and deepen our understanding of the kingdom. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.